Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, a big legal fight over cryptocurrencies and Democrats seek to narrow their crowded presidential field. But first, TurboTaxed. So as many Americans were busy finalizing their taxes in early April, shares of TurboTax maker Intuit hit a record high, valuing the company at nearly $70 billion. And it's not that surprising, given that more than 30 million Americans, or around one in every 10 adults, are said to be TurboTax users. The basic reason? It's easy. Rather than rifling through all those tax forms you get in the mail, Intuit's system lets you quickly import it all and does the calculations for you. And if you keep paying up, it'll include things like live accountant help and audit defense. But TurboTax also is slowly beginning to become more controversial. Earlier this month, ProPublica reported that both Intuit and rival H&R Block deliberately held a free option that was aimed at low-income tax filers, or at least aimed at those with very simple filings. And to be clear, the free option still existed, but it was made very hard to find, with the companies allegedly steering customers into paid products. Among those calling for an investigation into Intuit and H&R Block was Senator Elizabeth Warren, who alongside other legislators reintroduced a bill that would require the IRS to develop a free online tax prep and filing service. Remember, when you get your W-2 in the mail, the IRS already has that information too. Not only if the IRS created this, could this save the ridiculous $200 a year that Americans on average pay to do their taxes, it could also better ensure data privacy. Every time you use a private tech company to file your taxes, you're handing over a treasure trove of sensitive data. Even if the system itself never gets hacked, the company can use that information to sell you other products. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios business reporter Courtney Brown, who this morning wrote a piece titled, What Intuit Knows About You. But first, this. Axios chief technology correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata podcast. We're joined now by Axios business reporter Courtney Brown. So, Courtney, in the spirit of full disclosure, I am a TurboTax user and obviously I'm aware they've got things like my social security number and my income. What can they do with that information beyond just file my taxes for me? I will match that and tell you that not only am I a TurboTax user, but I am also a Mint user. Mint's another Intuit product, right? right? It's kind of a personal finance. And the third property they own is QuickBooks. So if you use QuickBooks to run your small business, you're also in the Intuit ecosystem. What we did, Dan, was we spent a few days pouring over Intuit's privacy statement and their terms of service. And this is obviously uh, part of a longer running series we're doing on Axios, like what Facebook knows about you, what Amazon knows about you. I think Intuit is different in two ways. TurboTax in particular, you want them to have all of your updated, most accurate information so that they can file your taxes and do it accurately. And I think the second way is a little bit different is Intuit is pretty regulated in terms of what they can do with your data. There's an IRS code that says that tax preparers like Intuit have to get your permission to use your tax information for anything beyond the purpose of just doing your taxes. So to answer your question, there is a disclosure form that you probably check a box and signed your name on without even realizing that basically says Intuit can use the data from your tax form to do other things like recommend services that it may think that you would like. 
So when I'm filling out my taxes and I'm clicking this and I'm clicking my signature and, you know, testing to all these things are true. There's also somewhere in there something I'm asked to click, which basically lets them have even third parties market products to me. Is it the sort of thing that if I'm kind of going through and doing my taxes, I'm most likely going to click because it seems like the sort of thing you're supposed to click just to file your taxes? In doing reporting for this story, I kind of went through the TurboTax process and that's exactly what happened. This form that tax preparers are required to show you and get your consent on, I almost missed it. And I think the other problem is I don't think people realize that at first glance, you don't have to sign off on this in order to move forward with your taxes. I think people largely are just doing things quickly and just signing this, signing that. They don't realize that you don't actually have to do this in order for TurboTax to do your taxes. So if, if I did click this, and probably I did, if I click this, what am I getting pitched? So I, I assume at some point I'm going to get pitched on things like Mint and maybe even QuickBooks. But for non-Intuit products, who's going to be emailing me or calling me or, or otherwise trying to market me something? Going through the TurboTax process and engaging with one of Intuit's other pro uh, products, which is just called Turbo, I saw advertisements for a Capital One Platinum credit card. I saw advertisements for a loan from Lending Club. When I was using Mint, basically one thing I saw was they wanted me to kind of check on my credit score, use their service to get my credit score. And once you get your credit score back, they, they say things like, oh, you've been late on this payment. Here's how you can use Mint to kind of track this bill and make sure you're not late again. And that has, that's how you can increase your credit score. So you can see that they're kind of selling their own services in using the data that they've gotten about you to further promote their product. And they're trying to kind of expand this. Just yesterday, they announced they were buying this analytics startup called Origami Logic, right? And, and that's basically to make their marketing better in terms of customer data. Yeah, that's right. I mean, on the face, Origami Logic is a marketing analytics firm, but Intuit in a statement made it very clear that they were kind of a doubling down on the fact that they want to use customer data to, they would say, enhance the user experience, but it's essentially to enhance the marketing. And this is something that the new CEO who took over for Brad Smith in January of this year has been very, very passionate about kind of transforming Turbo into it and TurboTax from this desktop company to this data-driven platform company. You know, Courtney, you're a business reporter and, you, and somebody who focuses on markets a lot. And I'm sitting here staring at an Intuit stock chart. And to be honest, it hasn't even had many blips, a tiny one during the financial crisis, but it wasn't substantial. And in the last several years, this thing is a rocket ship just up and to the right. There's been a lot of talk over the last month about TurboTax and H&R Block, but TurboTax, you know, hiding this free option. Talk about proposals to have the IRS create a free filing system since they have most of this information anyway. From your perspective, why isn't any of that talk seeming to have an impact on Intuit stock, which again, just continues to keep rising? Well, it's funny you bring that up because in researching for this story, I hopped on Intuit's earnings call last week. And obviously, ProPublica's great reporting about how they've essentially been hiding their free file option for people who are eligible, which is essentially if you make $66,000 or less, you are eligible for this free file program. The CEO kind of emphasized that more people than ever were using the free file program. And that's obviously in response to ProPublica's reporting. But the analyst on that call, it was one of the first questions they asked, like, how could more scrutiny from the likes of Elizabeth Warren affect 
into its business. And basically what the CEO said was that they stand behind their marketing. And if you're an analyst or if you're an investor in this company, you want Intuit to have this data about you. You want them to kind of use your data to sell you stuff because that's how they make money. And part of it, I guess, is if you're Intuit, your argument would be if more people use the free file, which again, they allegedly hid, but if more people were to use it at under $66,000 of annual income, that gets them into the system. And if they get income of $70,000 or above, then they're already used to using TurboTax. It would seem the bigger threat would be if the IRS started offering its own tax filing service, which wouldn't be limited to people making a certain amount of money in theory. I think that's right. I mean, the IRS said that it was going to review this free file program. And obviously that would have big implications for not just Intuit, but H&R Block too. But I think an IRS official said that review would be completed within the next 90 days or so. Actress Courtney Brown, thank you so much for joining. Thanks, Dan. My final two right after this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is a crowdfunding campaign called Defend Crypto, which is designed to clarify U.S. regulation around digital tokens, specifically whether they should be treated as currencies or as securities. The backstory here is that a chat app called Kick in 2017 raised nearly $100 million through an initial coin offering of a digital token it called Kin, which would be used to buy and sell virtual goods. As far as Kick was concerned, this was a currency. Again, the main use case was buying and selling stuff. But the Securities and Exchange Commission disagreed, and settlement talks between the two have proven so fruitless that Kick is now crowdfunding for a legal challenge which, no matter how it plays out, could decide once and for all how regulators will treat digital currencies, something that even within the SEC there's dissent over. To be clear, Kick and other crypto-related startups aren't trying to operate outside of the regulatory regimes here, despite their industry's kind of lawless reputation. What they want are specific rules, but so far the U.S. government hasn't complied. Now, maybe the courts will. And finally, Democrats know they have way too many presidential candidates and are now trying to do something about it. The Associated Press reports that the Democratic National Committee is upping the ante for its second round of primary debates, which are set for September. To get on the stage, a candidate must reach at least 2% in four pre-approved polls, while also collecting contributions from a minimum of 130,000 unique donors. So far, only six of the 24-person crop has hit the new threshold, with the AP estimate that about half of them might be unable to make it. We'll know more on the drop dead, or maybe drop out, date of August 28th. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers, have a great National Paperclip Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.